God. Amen. The Spirit of God is here. Our hearts are ready. And uh, we're excited about tonight, tomorrow night, and Sunday, what God is going to do. We had to cancel our last one, so the pastor made it this time. Amen. And he's got a great word for us. We're so blessed to have Sharice and Pastor Marshall with us. They're long, long-time friends, and we've got a lot of history together and a lot of uh, times together as friends, hanging out and ministering together. And they've been down to Costa Rica, and our church is there, and so it's a tremendous blessing. They've got a great church in Denver. I've preached there several times. They were in our home church for many, many years on staff there. Uh, and Pastor Marshall uh, started Breakaway, the ministry Breakaway, in the home church and did it for many, many years. And then they went up and took over a church in Denver. I don't remember how many years ago. Four years ago. And um, it was really struggling, and, and they were in a building that was difficult, and they took it over and fought through some things, and now they're in another building, and they're, they're taking over different parts of the building. They've got four parts of the building. They're looking to take over a fifth part of the building, and so the church is growing, and they're doing a great work there. Amen. We're so proud of what God is doing in Denver. And so we're going we're gonna to just let the Holy Spirit speak. Amen. Let Him correct us. Let Him... Uh, challenge us, let them comfort us, let's believe for healings and, and, and deliverance and whatever we need. Tell the person next to you, whatever you need, receive. Amen. How many of us can make Pastor Marshall welcome tonight as he comes? Let's give him a big VWO Texas welcome as he comes. Amen. And let him know we love him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. God's good, man. It's a real privilege to be here. <clears throat> if we weren't, I told Pastor Blake, if we weren't in Denver, I'd be in Texas. This is God's country. Amen. Colorado's okay, too. <clears throat> but <clears throat> I like Texas, man. Y'all got catfish. But, uh, I want, you know, whenever we come here, Pastor Blake and Carla are always so kind to my wife and I, and they always take care of us, and and uh, more than they should, amen. It's, they're a tremendous blessing. So many people in this church are a blessing. We're just so glad to be here. And I want to tell you, during these next couple of services, I want to encourage you, come to every service, amen. I know when I first came to church and they would say things like, we're having a revival, and I said, what in the world's a revival, right? Well, listen. In these next couple of days, everybody here has been praying, some been fasting, we've been trusting God, and whatever you're dealing with, whatever's going on in your life, whatever impossible situation you might be having, whether it's sickness, you need deliverance, a family member saved, something, something that's been very, very, very difficult in your life, let's trust God in these next couple of days that God's going to do a miracle for you and break something through, amen? How many will believe God with me? It was in a revival just like this. Amen, where God set me free from alcohol. It was in a revival like this, man, that my life got totally transformed and changed. My wife and I. Man, I, if I had time, I'd tell you about our past, but we don't have a week. But I can tell you this. God's a miracle-working God. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, the last, the last 13 months or so have been kind of psycho. Y'all are in Texas. You don't get the craziness we get in the Denver Metroplex. Amen. And, uh, I mean, there's been some crazy things. It's like, you know, it's like, I don't know, 
They've cast off restraint. And we've seen all kinds of crazy things happening. There's shootings all the time. I mean, it's like some the Pandora's box has opened up. And I know for a lot of believers that are, uh, that, you know, we're hoping for, you know, revival uh, through an election. And they were hoping for, you know, certain things to happen. Let me tell you something. God's always in charge. Amen. God's in charge. He's on his own throne. And he ain't getting off for nobody. Amen. And, and, and I want to minister a message tonight that kind of came out of this craziness that we've been dealing with, the riots and all the madness. I want to talk about the goodness of God, because sometimes we forget about the goodness of God. Amen. In, in, in Romans chapter 8, if you have that, I want you to read with me. Romans chapter 8, uh, starting in verse 31, Paul says this. He says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Is it God who justifies? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God and who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God or the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sakes we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37. Yet in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present, nor Republicans, or Democrats, or independents, or maniacs, or crazy people, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. In verse 35 in the NIV, I like how it says it this. It says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean we no longer, that he no longer loves us? If we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry, cold or in danger or threatened with death. And one commentator said this. It doesn't mean who shall keep Christ from loving us. It actually means who shall keep us or what shall keep us from loving him. We're living in a, in a generation today, man. People serve God conditionally. They serve God conditionally. God, if you meet my need, God, if you do ABC, God, if you, if you bless my business, if you do this or that, I promise I'll read my Bible every day. I promise I'll go to church every day. I'll promise, I promise, I promise. It's a conditional generation. You know, it's different than when I was, when I was coming up. You know, when I, when I got saved, I think, I, who was I talking? I was talking to Pastor Blake. He was sharing some things with me about when he first got saved. When I got saved, nobody had to beg me to go to church. Nobody had to call me and say, Mijo, would you please go to church? Would you please read your Bible? Would you please, would you please? Amen. Nobody did that. In fact, I got slapped around a lot when I first got saved because I had some bad habits. I did some stupid things. Got in a few fights. Amen. Me and... What's his name there? We'd be good friends. Amen? I did some dumb stuff. But I can tell you this. God's a merciful, gracious, loving, holy, righteous God. He knows what he's dealing with when he's working with you and me. Can you say amen? Listen to Hebrews chapter 12. This is in the NIV. 
He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And he says, enduring the cross, but then he, he, there's, a, there's a portion in this scripture that used to confuse me. He said, for the joy that was set before him. What joy? The joy of you giving your life one day to Christ. Do you know when he hung on that cross and he, he gave his life? He already knew about you. He knew all the times you were going to fail him, all the times you were going to make mistakes, all the times you are going to, you know, talk about him or cuss at him because you're mad. He knew every mistake and, and, and failure you ever had. And on the cross, he still went. And he still shed his blood. Colossians says, having made peace through the blood of the cross. Now, I want to I lay a little foundation here because I want to talk about the wonder of the God we serve. Let me just share this before I get started. Listen. I think in this generation, because this is a generation that um, when you talk about fatherlessness, it's, it, this, is the, this is the generation that, you know, you can ask, you can go around and talk to people. Uh, there are many people who grew up without a dad. And, you know, we're in a generation today that wants to, to uh, feminize masculinity. There's a term they use called toxic masculinity. If you've never seen toxic masculinity, you're looking at it right here. Amen? I'm a man. I want to be a man. Amen? Toxic masculinity. It's, it's a generation that's trying to feminize men and make them weak and wimpy. But when I got saved, man, and my pastor, man, would ask me to do something, amazing thing is, guess what? I would do it. If it was a privilege to me. He asked me one day, or the, somebody in the, in the, on, in, on staff said, we need someone to clean the toilets. I said, I'll do it. And I remember cleaning the toilets every Saturday night at the concert scenes. I'd go in there, and, and I'd clean the women's room. I'd clean the men's room. It was a, it was a, I was excited about being a part of something. I was, I, I was just glad to be saved. I was glad to be free. I was glad that my marriage was being healed again and, and God was doing something in my life. And I'd be in that bathroom and I'd be singing. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I'm serious. I'd clean them toilets. And I always wonder why the women's bathroom was dirtier than the men's. But I don't know. <clears throat> and when I was putting this together, I was thinking, you know, when you live in a generation that has no fathers or the fathers that they do have are abusive or not there, and that's not everybody. Some people had good dads. Pastor had a good dad. Amen? But there's a lot of us that didn't. And the problem I see with, the, with this up-and-coming generation is that, is that their viewpoint of God the Father is, is contorted. It's so, there's something wrong with it. So when, they, when you talk about father and you hear that word father, you view God in terms of how you related with your father or if the one that wasn't there. And that's a problem. We have a problem with that in this generation. And that's the reason why there's so many young people who can't be told what to do. They can't be corrected. I never see anything like it in my life, man. I don't know what generation we're at now, X, Y, Z. I forget which one's the latest. But I, I'm blown away by it. When I got saved, man, and, 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 and I started serving God, they didn't, nobody pampered me. They didn't pamper me, man. I'm, you're talking some hardcore discipleship. Ain't that right, Pastor Mario? Hardcore discipleship. I loved it. 
I'm, I'm thankful for it. I'm glad they, they, they held my feet to the flame at times in my life. I'm glad that they, they called me out on things. I'm glad because it kept me saved. Amen? It kept me saved. I could, I could go after God. You, somebody told me the other day, I was, I was sharing with them about some of the a couple of men in, in my church, and, and this pastor said something to me. He said, what kind of disciples do you want? If you pamper them and baby them all the time, man, and tell them it's okay, you know, and he said, that's exactly what you're going to get. They're not going to be able to go through things. They're not going to be able to go through the fire. They're not going to be able to, to withstand all the assaults of the devil. And so in saying all that, let me say this. The wonder of God, the awesomeness of God, and I'm going to present a few things to you in a minute. I'm going to show you a, a few pictures. The wonder of God's creation for me is one of the most awesome things. That's one of the reasons I like to come to Texas. Colorado is very beautiful, amen? And, but, but I like Texas. I like the weather better. I hate the cold. But the wonder of God's creation, and I started thinking about animals that God created, and so, you know, sometimes I think we take these things for granted, God's creation. Think about a dog. You know, I got, a, I got the most awesome dog. Deonza got me a dog. Actually, they conned me into getting a dog because I didn't want a dog. And, um, and I got set up. It's a long story, but I'll tell you it anyway. Man, I told my wife, I don't want a dog. Our kids, are, my daughter's moved out. She's got her own family. I don't want a dog. And I kept I fighting it. Because the last time we had a dog, they'd poop in the backyard, and there'd be dinosaur poops, and I'm the only one cleaning it up. I said, I don't want a dog. And, man, I don't know how it all worked out, but I told her, we're, I'm trying to be, you know, the man of the house. I don't want a dog. And then uh, we, we ran into, I forget who it was. I think it was Pastor Paul and Emily. And they told us about a litter of dogs that, that uh, Deonza had. I said, I don't, I don't care. They said, just come and look at him. I said, Okay. And I went over there, man, and next thing you know, this one's talking to me. Pastor Jones is talking to me. Marie's talking to me, and everybody's talking to me. And I don't know how it happened, but I got a dog. <laughs> but I got to tell you, this is the greatest dog I ever had in my life. That dog is amazing, amen? He's kind of crazy, but uh, I love him. He's, and, you know, when I tell people I have a newfie poo, you know, you think he's some kind of a, uh, you know, but he's a good dog. He's a protector. And I thought about dogs. You know, the amazing thing about dogs, dogs are the most forgiving animals you'll ever have. Amen? And most dogs are happy and loving and affectionate. But a dog doesn't have a soul like you and I do. And a dog doesn't reason or judge or feel like you and I do. They want to either play, love, bite, protect. The only creation that God has given eternal life to is mankind, you and I. We're God's special creation. Did you know that? You're God's prized possession. The only creation that God has given eternal life to is not monkeys, but it's you and I. Amen? And the Bible says that you and I are created with a purpose. I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you believe. God has a purpose for your life. It's an awesome purpose. And while you were in your mother's womb... God knew the purpose of your life. We all got off track. Most of us got off track and went a different direction. And God, the Holy Ghost, chased you down. Somehow you got saved. You started coming to church. And God's trying to form that plan and work that plan out in your life. In John 15, 16, Jesus told the disciples, he said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. People always tell me I found Jesus. Well, guess what? He wasn't lost. You were. He says, you didn't choose me, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain and that whatever you ask the Father in my name, I may do. 
And then I started thinking about the awesomeness of creation. We're the, we're the greatest thing that God ever did. We didn't, come, we didn't just appear. It wasn't the Big Bang Theory. Gorillas, monkeys, chimpanzees are not your relative. Despite the fact that everybody, you know, when you go to school now, that's all they teach. Let me talk to you about the amazingness of the human body. This is a mind blower to me. You know, when you sneeze, your sneezes are 100 miles an hour when you sneeze. Amen. The average person blinks 15 to 20 times a minute. Ladies, here's one for you. The, the, the total length of eyelashes that shed off your body in a lifetime are 100 feet. And I was thinking about all these things. The eye has over 2 million working parts. The human body has 32 trillion cells and capillaries. Which takes me to Genesis chapter 2. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. I try to, you know, when people come to God many times, they're broken and beat up. They've been out in the world. I got a lady coming to my church now. She's, I'm trying to, she's, in, she's involved in prostitution and she's a brand new, just started coming and we're trying to work with her. That's the kind of people I like to work with. I want people that are broke up, tore up from the floor up. They're bound, oppressed by the devil. And I, wanna, I want them to see God's mercy, God's forgiveness, God's grace and what they mean to him. Did you know the average person has 100,000 hairs on their head? Not everybody, but most people. <laughs> Did you know that babies are born without kneecaps? Did anybody not know that? They don't have kneecaps. And they don't even develop kneecaps until they're between two and six years old. What an awesome God we serve. Amen? Babies are the most amazing thing to me. You, they can hear in the womb. The voice they hear most is their mother's voice. They can hear it very clearly. They can hear music. The babies hiccup, kick, roll over. They suck their thumbs. Baby's heartbeat begins at only four weeks after conception. The Bible says in Isaiah 44, 2, Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb, I will help you. You see, the Bible says that while you were in the womb, that God himself sang over you. You're special to God. You hear what I'm saying to you? It's amazing the baggage that you and I bring when we come to God. Did you know we bring a lot of baggage to church? We all, you know, we all, we all dress, we're all dressed and everybody looks like they got it together. But you'll be surprised some of the baggage that people bring. Some of the things that they're dealing with mentally. You know, there was a song, uh, it's probably one of the greatest songs ever written, and it was called How Great Thou Art. How Great Thou Art. Charles Greenaway, a missionary, used to come to our church all the time, and he would always sing that song. Amen. He loved that song. And it kind of went like this. Oh, Lord God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. And I looked, I researched it. I always want to know about old songs, old hymns. Where'd they come from? Because many of the old hymns that have the impact, the power, when you sing those songs, let me tell you something. There's a history behind it. There's something about that song. There's some blood, sweat, and tears or something tragic that happened that brought that out of a person. In 1886, there was a Swedish pastor who was walking home from church in the rain. And as he's walking, he's thinking about the awesomeness of God like I was when I was putting this together. And he came up with a poem, and he called the poem, he's Swedish, and it was called O Stor Gud, or the goodness of God. 
1925, an American preacher, he heard the poem, and he translated it into English, and he made a song out of it. Eight years later, in 1933, English missionaries to Ukraine, they heard the song while they were crossing the Carpathian Mountains, believe it or not, and, and they were checking out awesomeness of God's creation, and they rewrote the song. The first three verses were born, and in 1939, the fourth verse was added. In the 1950s, at Billy Graham Crusades, Cliff Barrows, who was the song leader at the doing, you know, when Billy Graham would do his crusades, he would always sing this song at the Billy Graham Crusades. In fact, the song was so popular, Elvis Presley sung it. The Christian Herald in 1974 named this song the most popular hymn in all of America. In Psalms, chapter 104, in verse 19, he says, Y'all are quiet. Y'all in Texas quiet like this? Is this how, y'all, this is how you guys have church? You know, if you say a few amens, hallelujah, praise the Lord, I might preach three or four hours. <laughs> You're just looking at me. Here we go. He appointed the moon for the seasons. The sun knows it's going down. You make darkness <clears throat> and it's night in which all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar after their prey, and they seek their food from God. When the sun rises, they gather together, and they, lay, they lie down in their, in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to the labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. The great, the great and wide sea, in which are innumerable teeming things, living things both small and great. There the ships sail about. There that Leviathan, which I think is a dinosaur, which you made to play there. These all wait for you that you may, they may, give, you may give them their food in due season. And you open your hand and they're filled with good. You hide your face and they're troubled. You take away their breath and they die and return to the dust. Let me tell you something. The God that I serve, the God who puts us first in creation, the God who loves you, the God who knows you, the God knows everything that every thought you've ever thought in your head. You know, let me tell you something. If right now in this service, God took your thoughts and put them up on the screen while I'm preaching, some of y'all might run out of here right now. He knows your very thoughts. The devil can't read your mind, but God can. And he still loves you. In Colossians chapter 1, he said, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Let me tell you something. From the dinosaur down to the most microscopic germ, amen, God created the universe. God put the, when I think about the sun, the moon, the stars, when I think of all of his creation throughout history and all the things that he did, how the earth is at a perfect tilt and, and we're able to have life on planet earth, the awesomeness of God, it kind of blows my mind. My little peanut brain can't handle it sometimes. The way, let me tell you how I finally gave my life to Jesus Christ. It wasn't just because I was facing prison time. Let me tell you how I got saved. I used to get drunk and lay on the grass in people's yards 
act stupid. Amen. I know you all never did that. And I'd look up at the stars. I grew up in California, so it wasn't cold like Colorado. And I'd look up at the stars drunk, and i get mad at God why my life stinks, why everything's the way it is. And I'm looking up, and one day I'm thinking about the stars. And I'm thinking, where did they come from? Look at all them stars. This is in my mind in a drunken stupor. And I thought about the stars, and I thought, what's past the stars? What's the past the last star? Then all of a sudden, I started getting a revelation. Whoa, what's past the past the past the last star? Where did it come from? Who did that? When I started thinking, if there's a God, I'm in trouble. Amen. And, I, and it's like the Holy Spirit started dealing with me and dealing with me that he is alive. Creation cries out there's a God. Creation cries out there's a creator. I personally think God has a sense of humor. And I'm going to show you with some little, some of the creatures, things that God created. Amen. They're going to pop them up here on the screen for you in a second. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I know him. <laughs> That's a real dog. Whoa, that's my neighbor. That's my grandson. He's a creature. Amen. What happened to my dog? He wasn't on there? What a bummer. God's an awesome God. He's got to have a sense of humor, man. The armadillo, think about that. All the things that God created. It's amazing. Why would he make a skunk to stink like it does? All the things that God, God is so awesome, such an awesome God. And when I think about how the, the word of God, it, it, it says God is my father. And it was, it was, for me, it was kind of mind-blowing as I got the revelation of him being a father to me. Who is a father? Listen, when you make a mistake, if you have a good dad, he's not, if you make a mistake, you do something stupid, he don't take you out behind the house and shoot you and bury you in the backyard or send you to hell, does he? He'll discipline you and love you. When I was raising my daughter when she was in the home, and this is what this is, I didn't learn from my father, but I learned this from my pastor. And I learned it from other great godly men in, in the church that I, I tried to emulate. And I would spank my daughter, right? And after I would spank her when she was little, I would immediately throw my arms around her. And she would try to squirm and get away from me. But I would hold her until she calmed down and I'd tell her, that, and I'd explain to her why I disciplined her. That I love her and it's for her own benefit. I don't want her, and I'm crying sometimes. I don't like, I didn't like whooping her. Sometimes I like whooping her. But let me tell you something. That's how, that's, when we, when we view God the Father, Sometimes we go through things, and many of the things that you and I struggle with in life aren't God punishing us. It's the stupid decisions that we made. It's the things that we did. We're the ones that brought the heartache and the pain. But he still loves us. He still cares for us. He still wants to use your life. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, how great is our God? He said, let there be light in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs, for seasons, and days, and years. You know, they say it's impossible to count the stars. There's a, a galaxy called the Whirlpool Galaxy that by itself has 300 billion stars. 
Think about this for a minute, if you can. In Psalms 147, God says he counts the stars and he calls them by name. The moon is 250,000 miles away. The sun is 93 million miles away. Some of the farthest galaxies that we can find are 13 billion light years away. It's not a drive down to, down to you know, Colorado Springs. You're talking a distance that's mind-boggling, mind-blowing. But that's nothing to God. And it makes me wonder, why does God care about me? I'm this itty-bitty, tiny little creature on a planet that's not even that big, but yet God cares about me. He loves me. He's got a plan for my life. He's got a plan for your life. In Psalms 23, 6, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the question that I want to ask is tonight is this. I know this is a revival. But before I, wanted, before I even got into this revival, I wanted to talk about the goodness of God. How awesome he is. What a good God he is. Because for the last 13 months, man, it's been chaos. And in churches, in many places, churches have shut down. Christians have got disheartened. They don't know what to think. I've talked to them. They're, they're freaked out. They're all freaked out. Let me tell you something. There really is still a devil. Amen? But I don't know, what happened to God the healer? I said, what happened to God the healer? Amen? Now, I might step on a few toes here, but let me just tell you something. This ain't the first time planet Earth had a pandemic. Amen? Let me just tell you something. When you think of the goodness of God, think about this, believer. I don't care if you've been saved a year or 20. When you're sick, he heals you. When you're in need, he supplies all your needs. When you're in trouble, he protects you. When you're down, he lifts you up. When you go through a trial, the Bible says he goes through it all the way with you. He's, he's a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. He said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. He's my father. When I'm in trouble, I call out to him. I can't lie to him. You can't lie to him. I, he knows what I did. He knows what I'm thinking. He knows everything about me. But he still loves me. And he still loves you. And he still has a plan for your life. And I'm here to tell you, man, maybe you're here in this place and, and you were involved in ministry at some time. You were involved somewhere doing something and you got away from it. You think God's mad at you? God ain't mad at you. He's waiting for you to get back up. God's got a call on your life. That call, the gifts and the callings of God, the Bible says, are, are without repentance. The first church I pastored was in 1990. And I wondered why they sent me out. Because, you know what I'm saying? And I, they sent me to the Great Falls, Montana. My wife, oh my gosh, Great Falls, Montana. I, you know what, I, when I went there, man, I was, I was kind of cocky. I went up, we were driving in the U-Haul, I pulled up to Great Falls on the outskirts of town, I pulled up, I got out of the U-Haul, and I went, I'm here, devil. I'm serious, that's my wife, amen? I was a young man, I was ready to preach the gospel. First thing I did is I went downtown, because I knew my God, and I said, we're going to have a revival, and there's a marquee up in the downtown area, you can, you can pay to put something up. I put signs, wonders, miracles, and I put the date up. The church only had 20 people when we got there, and, all, and the church had just split. Something had happened, and, the, and like 50 people walked out. 
And we took a church, and what the church was made up of was, was uh, a few young people, people out of nursing homes. I mean, there was really not too much going on, right? And I said, we're going to have revival, praise God. And you want to know something? That night, my wife was sick. My kids were sick. She stayed home, and nobody from my church showed up, and, the, and there was all these people there. And it was just me, God, the Holy Ghost, and Jesus. And I remember, man, because I'm a young convert basically to me i only been saved three and three years and eight months so i felt like a convert and i and all these people were there i said stand to your feet we're gonna sing i said he said be free yes he said nobody sang but me <laughs> i sang i sang i preached nobody amen nobody said anything there was people in wheelchairs it was real sick people people all jacked up in that place and I remember, man, at the end I prayed, but only a few people, two or three people got healed. But for the most part, it was, it was a bummer to me. And I remember asking God, God, why? God, why? Sometimes, let me tell you something. God's not working on them. He's working on me. Amen? And I tell you what, a year and a half later, I was back in a U-Haul. And we drove out to the edge of the city. And I jumped out of the truck and I went, and I said, I'm out of here. And didn't I do that? And I said, we left. Amen. We went back to Colorado Springs, and I said, ah, man, if it wasn't for people, we could have had revival. I was, only in Colorado, I was only back in Colorado Springs for a couple of months, and Pastor called me into his office, and he started singing to me. He started singing this song, on the road again, got to get on the road again, and put me in another church. This time, I had a little bit more fun, and this next one that we went into was crazy church. There was all kinds of things going on, man. I mean, it, but it was a blast. Lots of people got saved. It was fun. But eventually, man, something happened when we moved for a different location, and guess what? I shut that church down after three years. How many know you feel like pretty much like a failure after that, right? Uh, maybe I'm not called to pastor. Maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this, I said. You know, I was discouraged. And I went back to Colorado Springs, and I told my wife, and I told people there, I'll never do this again, ever. I said, I was mad, amen, immature and mad, and I was an idiot, <laughs> amen. And a few years went by, man, I kind of got over it. And one day, man, God put it on my heart. Uh, there was a ministry that was going on. They had 20 people in that place, and it was a ministry called Breakaway. It really, basically, it was an AA meeting. They sit in a circle, and people would say, my name is Joe. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Joe. And it was in the church. Pastor came up to me one day and said, do something with that ministry. I said, can I do anything I want? He said, anything you want. <laughs> I said, all right. So what I did was I set it up like a church service and put a pulpit in the front and began to preach. The very first service, we started casting devils out of people. Some of them were the leaders. <laughs> and we, people started getting delivered. People started getting healed. People, people would come through that were struggling with methamphetamine and coke and crack and coming out of gangs. And we went from 20 to 250 people. Amen. That thing rocked. We were going into jails and prisons. We were going all over the place. We would go into these prisons, and in these prisons, they, there's a, there was a guy. I got to tell you, there was a guy there that committed murder, and he got life in prison. He got life in prison, but he got saved in prison. And he was the coordinator of all the outreaches. And so I would get a group of men, and we would go into the prison. He would set it up. There'd be 200 men, and then you, you talk, you're talking about different gangs. Rival gangs, they'd sit on opposite sides. You're talking all kinds of different things going on in there. And these men would come, and there were some big dudes, amen? I'm a short dude, but I didn't care. And you know what the guards would do? They would put us in this area and go and leave, and leave me with these inmates, amen? And we'd get in there, and guess what? The Word of God is powerful, cuts sharper and deeper than any two-edged sword. We would preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And let me tell you, 
these guys would come to the altar and they're these big tatted up psychos and they're crying. Ah! It was great. Amen. I felt like land of the giants. I couldn't see past them. And they were getting filled with the Holy Ghost and getting healed and God was touching them. You want to hear a testimony? That was in uh, 2001, 2002, 2000, up to 2004. And then they threw me out of the prisons because they checked my criminal record again and decided that maybe a guy that's been arrested 26 times shouldn't be coming in the prison. They threw me out. Well, the guy that used to get me into the jails, the guy that had life in prison, you want to know, I stayed in touch with this guy for over 20 years. I mean, I was writing him. He writes me. We stayed in touch. And he, he says, I'm trusting God that God's going to get me out of the prison and I'm going to get pardoned by the president. This guy got pardoned. Listen, he got pardoned, got out of jail. He's an associate. This has just happened. He's an associate pastor in a city not far from me. He, he, um, I had him come and give his testimony in our church. And he's getting married uh, in about three weeks. And he, I'm his best man. Amen. <laughs> God's a good God. Let me just tell you, if God can use me, he can use anybody. Let me finish with the rest of that song. Listen to this. He says, then sings my soul, my Savior God to me. How great thou art. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. And when I think that God, his son, not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on that cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sins. Of all that God created and made, mankind is God's greatest creation. That's why suicide is, a, is, a, is, is nuts. Because God is the God not only of the second chance, but the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth. He's a God of restoration. He's a God of healing. Everybody in this place does dumb things and makes mistakes and has failures. Amen. Pastor told me a long time ago, and I, I never, ever, ever forgot it. He said, as long as you don't quit, you won't lose. And he said, this is the greatest enterprise on planet Earth. The greatest thing you can be involved in is right here in church. You could go out and become a doctor, a lawyer, that's good. Amen. You'll make lots of money and help some people. But when you become a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Bible says you become an ambassador for God. You represent the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the first and last, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the ending. You're God's representative. You speak on his behalf. He, you speak for God. See, the next time that you think God don't care about you, the next time you think that you're a mistake, pick up your Bible. Begin to read how God views you. Thank God for the animals. Thank God for all the creation, the stars, the moon, the sun. But you're his prized possession. You're the greatest thing he ever did. Listen to this. In Psalms chapter 139, in verse 13, David says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, you skillfully wrought me in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were, there were none of them. 
How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. If you think that God is not a God of creativity, a God who loves, look at God's creation. How many in this place understand there's no such thing as a white church or a black church or an or a, or, or a Asian church? Ain't no such thing. I told my church that the other day. All there is is the church. God's a God of creativity. Amen. He makes us tall and short. Amen. He's, he blows my mind. It blows my mind. People blow my mind. I'm amazed, amen, that what God does in people's lives. The greatest gift that you can give a pastor is to watch someone come into a church. They're tore up from the floor up. They may, they've been bound by drugs and alcohol and gangs or whatever. And they come in and they get the revelation of the cross that Jesus loves them. He died for them. He shed his precious blood for them. And I told, I was telling somebody today, I said, if you want to be changed, you know what you got to do? You got to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. You got to be sick and tired of being you. And you surrender your heart to Christ. You surrender your will to Christ and God will do a transformation in you that will blow your family's minds, blow your friends' minds, blow your neighbors' minds. People won't understand what happened to you. Only God can do that. Not AA, not therapy, not 12 steps. Only God can do that. In Isaiah 49, he says, but Zion, which is always referred to as the church, has said, the Lord has forsaken me. Then God says, can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yet I have not forgot you. See, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. I want to close with this. Listen, he said, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, shall be able to separate us from the love of God or any created thing in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Let me tell you about this gospel. This isn't, this isn't an American gospel. It's, it, it is a worldwide gospel. Everywhere that I've ever taken this old Bible and preached the gospel, the same thing happens every time. People get a revelation that God loves them, that God cares, who hates their sin, but loves them and wants to transform them and use their lives. It's a mind blower to me. It's the funnest thing I ever did. I've been all over the world. I've done all kinds of crazy things even before I got saved. And I want to tell you, this is a lot more fun than being in the world. This is a lot more fun than what the world has to offer young people. Let's pray. Come on, y'all. Bow your heads with me, if you would, just for a few minutes. Every head bowed, every eye closed, a reverence to God, just for a minute if you would. Heavenly Father, I lift up every precious person that's watching online or here in this sanctuary. I lift them before your throne. And God, before this service is ended and we say our amens, I pray that not a single person, not a single soul is going to walk out the same. But God, I pray that you touch them. God, the Holy Ghost, that you grip them and get a hold of them, God. God calls them to see you for who you are. Calls them to see that your love for them, God. Your hatred of sin, but your love of them. And God, I pray not a single person will walk out the same way that they came in. Listen, with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're in this place. I don't know. Maybe you've never made a decision for Christ. 
You know, we live in a country today where everybody's heard about Jesus in one way or another, but you've never surrendered. You're like the guy that goes to the swimming pool, and he's got a bathing suit on, and he walks around the pool while everybody's in having fun. He'll stick his toes in, right? You come to church, but you've never made that decision. You never jumped in. You never said, God, I surrender. I give you my life. And there are various reasons why people won't. Sometimes they think because they're going to lose something or they've got to give up something. Nothing that the world has to offer could even come close to comparing to what God has for us when we give our lives to him. I never in my wildest dreams thought that I could know God. I never in my wildest dreams knew, thought that he would forgive me for all the things that I've done or that my life could be transformed. I never thought that. But I want to ask all over this place, if you've never made that decision, maybe you're backslidden away from God, but you're here, you find yourself here right now. And you've never made it or you want to come back to Christ quickly all over this place with no one looking around. Lift your hands. Say, that's me. That's me. Hold them up. Put them right back down. God bless you, brother. Who else? Come on. Hold them high. Wave. Hold them up. Put them right back down. Say, pray for me. I need God's forgiveness. I want to be saved. I don't want to walk out the way I came in. Come on. Hold, let me see them. Hold them up. God bless you. Who else? Who else? Thank you, Jesus. Please, with no one looking around, I, I need to ask you a question. I want to, I want if you're in this place and you've considered suicide, it's been something that you've been bouncing around in your head a little bit. You've thought about it. And you thought, you know, nobody cares. Whatever the scenario in your head is, the devil's convinced you. And you've thought about it. Let me tell you something. God loves you. It, it grieves God, the Holy Spirit, man, when you have those thoughts. Life is a gift. And if you're in this place, no one's looking, so you're, I don't want to embarrass you. But if that's you, I want to pray for you this, tonight. If that's you, come on, hold your hand up. Say, that's me. I've, I've had that thought. Maybe, maybe not right now, but I, it keeps coming in my mind. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. God bless you. Who else? Who else? I lost my son to suicide. I lost my brother to suicide. And I never saw it coming. And I want to tell you something. The pain that you, you think the pain's over with, the heartache that you cause the people that you love, never goes away. If you think nobody loves you, if you think your family don't care for you, God loves you. He's always loved you. He cares for you. Let's stand. If you raise your hand, and you mean business, don't worry about who's with you. Please, I want you to do me a favor. As they begin to sing, I want you to come out of your seat. 
and meet me right here. I want to pray for you. You lifted your hand because you've had those thoughts. Maybe you need the Lord. You've never been saved. I want you to come. Altar workers, some altar workers that go here, help me. are still open. Come on, there's still time. Maybe you want to come. Why don't you come? Don't stay in your seat. altar talk to the Lord talk to him 
I want to pray for those. I want to pray for those that are that want to give their lives to the Lord first. Let me pray for you, if you would. Pray this prayer with me. Very simple prayer. Very simple. Just out of your own mouth. Amen. Book of Romans talks about coming from your heart out of your own mouth. Say, and you guys help them pray. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for shedding your precious blood for me. Thank you for dying for me. And thank you for who you are, for your goodness, for your grace, and your mercy on my life. Please forgive me of all my sins. And I invite you into my heart, in my life. Change me. Transform me. Make me the person that you created me to be from my mother's womb. Use me for your glory in Jesus' name. I want to pray for those that are struggling with suicidal thoughts. I want to pray for you. So I, I know that I say I don't want to embarrass you, but sometimes it's good to just come forward. And so I want to pray for you, man. I know a couple of you, I saw you come. But we're going we're gonna to trust God with you. I'm going to ask Pastor to come up here. Amen. And we're going to pray for you. You know, when you talk about spiritual, the Bible talks about principalities and powers. You know, it talks about, you know, uh, when I used to do breakaway, methamphetamine is a real powerful uh, addiction and people struggle with it. But when you talk about uh, demons, suicide's a very weak demon. It's a very weak one, easily rebuked. But you don't know. You don't know what you don't know because these kids today and even older people don't, 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 you know, they don't tell anybody. Right? Because they've been convinced in their mind that their life means nothing and no one cares for them. When in all reality, there's someone who loves you more than you could ever, 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 ever comprehend. No woman or man could love you like God loves you. Ever. So we're going to pray. And I'm going to ask Pastor to pray if he, he, he knows. I'm going to ask him to pray. Father, we take authority right now. In the name of Jesus, over every spirit of suicide. Devil, we bind you right now in Jesus' name. We command your thoughts, we command your lies, we command your demonic spirits to leave and flee in seven directions right now. And as you leave, you will not come back to these minds or to these bodies or to these people because you're a lying spirit. We take authority over you right now. And we command you to be defeated at your very root. And you will not come back. And as you leave now, we thank you, Jesus, for the peace of the Holy Spirit and the joy of the Lord of unspeakable glory that comes into their minds right now and transforms their minds to become the children of God you've called them to be. Lord, transform their minds right now by the renewing of their minds. And Lord, instead of death, instead of escape, Father, give them a spirit of life and hope and peace and joy right now. Replace it right now with those things. And we declare them healed right now. That these thoughts will never come back again. Never again in the name of Jesus. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed right now. And we thank you for it. And we glorify your name for it. In Jesus' name.
Now you begin to thank God right now. Begin to thank Him right now. Begin to praise His name. Begin to thank Him for the spirit of joy. Joy of the Lord is your strength tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That spirit's gone in Jesus' name. Amen.